Hi, my name's Andrew Skipper. I'm chair of the Africa practice at Hogan Lovells, and I've got wide-ranging Africa experience from business to art and culture. I'm vice chair of the Smithsonian National Museum of African Art and co-chair of the UK government's Africa Investors Group. This is the sixth series of the A Perspective podcast in which I've been having conversations with some of Africa's top business minds and investors alongside key cultural influencers, people who are deeply committed to building the continent and spreading the word and the vision of it. They're certainly pulling no punches about the problems, but they're also spotting and delivering on enormous opportunities. Today, we turn to Solomon Asamoah. Solomon is an investment professional with over 25 years of experience with a panoply of DFIs and multilaterals, including the World Bank, IFC, AFDB, AFC, and DBSA. He's personally led over $5 billion of transactions across the African continent. And in April 2017, he was appointed the CEO of the Ghana Infrastructure Investment Fund, GIF, an investment vehicle initially capitalized at $250 million with a mandate to originate, structure, and invest in infrastructure-related projects across Ghana. Since then, he's grown GIFT to a balance sheet size of $345 million, with a portfolio of 13 infrastructure transactions in eight different sectors. Notably, for every dollar of GIFT investments, he's attracted $10 of other funds into the projects. There's no one better place to talk to us today about the outlook for infrastructure investment in Africa. So welcome, Solomon. It's great to be talking to you again and have you here. And thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for the yeah. invite. Yeah, it's great. I was I was with your team only a couple of weeks ago in um, in Accra. And but Solomon, you've you've been CEO since 2017, around the same time that the GIF board set out its investment policy statement. So really right from the beginning. How's the um, how's the global pandemic affected the fund's original goals to secure investment, and what have been the most challenging aspects of the post-COVID period for you to date? Um, okay, thanks very much. I think, like all other countries and institutions, we have been negatively affected by the pandemic, mm. and the effects are still being felt today. I think the the most serious uh, um, impact that it had is that there was a time when Ghana went into into lockdown. Um, and so the airport was closed and uh, mm. we tried to control the pandemic. I must say that the government did an excellent job in Ghana of really limiting um, the negative effects on the population as a whole uh, by a lot of social interventions that they did. But it did affect the, the business community um, quite significantly. And for us, as, a, as an investor, a long-term investor in infrastructure, the, the biggest um, shock to the system was the withdrawal of liquidity uh, particularly mm. long-term funding um, that was coming into the country um, during the pandemic. I think a lot of uh, countries focused on their own countries, which is understandable, really. And all of a sudden, Africa seemed a little less uh, of a priority. So we did suffer from the withdrawal of some funds. And we were advocating as strongly as possible to the donors and to the development finance institutions that this is the time when you need to play your counter-cyclical role you need yeah. to make sure that funding is still coming to places like uh, like Ghana, where we're still trying to build our infrastructure. Uh, and we had some successes, but we also had some challenges. But I'd like, but I'm happy to say that most of our investee companies have weathered uh, the storm. Um, we had sufficient liquidity that we could additionally put into the projects to keep them going, and, and mostly they've, they've they've survived the pandemic. But it has taught us in Ghana and many parts of Africa. So we need to relook at the supply chains, 
We need to look at intra-Africa trade. We need to look at more resilient internal systems um, to cope with a situation where international funds withdraw. Yeah, that's it's, it's, we'll, we'll pick up that point later because um, uh, obviously the Africa Secretariat is based in Accra and um, mm-hmm. we've been talking to Juan Kadimene who seems a, a, to be doing a great job on that side. So we'll pick, mm-hmm. pick that up later. But I mean, look at your fund itself I, I, uh, and having been out there recently, you've success, I think you've successfully allocated most of your cash to date, I believe. Can mm-hmm. you give me some of the some idea as to the priorities you've adopted in doing that and some of the successes you've had? Um, and are, what are you looking for? Are you looking more for impact in Ghana or cash return or, or a mix of both? Mm-hmm. I would say because we are owned by the government, we were established by the government of Ghana. Um, the Ghana obviously wants to see impacts um, domestically mm-hmm. in what we do. Um, and also as well, I've been around long enough to know that <laughs> you're really um, not going to be successful unless you have funds and you're able to attract funding for additional funding for, for projects. Projects cost money and without mm. money, it's just talk. Um, so um, I've also learned that the best way to attract money is to spend the money that you've been given very wisely and show impact, yeah. both financial and, and impact with the, with the investments that you did. So we were very, very clear in our initial objectives. And as I said, it was based on, on experience. We need that we were given 250 million US dollars in originally by the government of Ghana, uh, which in the scheme of uh, Ghana is a lot of money, uh, but also in the scheme of the issues that we have to address, the infrastructure deficits, it's not a lot of money. Um, so I knew quite quickly that that money was given to us by the government, which meant that just the normal politics, there are other parts of government who are eyeing that money jealously and want that money to go to them. So if we sat on the money trying to do the perfect, perfect, perfect projects and didn't deploy any cash, very quickly that money would be withdrawn by the government and put somewhere else. Uh, So we knew we had to do good projects quickly um, to build up a track record. Um, We're an infrastructure fund, so we figured that the best thing to do was to do the early type of projects that nobody would dispute is within our mandate. Um, so we looked at mm. the airports, uh, we looked at the seaports, um, we looked at roads, um, we looked at power, uh, we looked at um, tourism, um, we looked at oil and gas, we looked at mining, we looked at the, the key areas that people expect would expect us to invest in so there'll be no controversy about what we did. We have the mandate to also do social infrastructure uh, health, okay. water, things of that nature. But we decided to focus on the hard infrastructure first to build up a track record and knowledge in the market that this is where we were we were doing. So, so you spent most of your money, which is great. So, what next? Do you get, um, are you looking to just sit and manage your projects, or or doing much more? <laughs> and how 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 in, in that context, how important is? partnership for you and especially partnership with the private sector i mentioned in my introduction the your your multiplier effect in terms of the, the dollars you put in the dollars you bring in mm-hmm. um and how do you com- so how important is that to you and how do you convince people now to invest in ghana as opposed mm-hmm. to anywhere else mm-hmm. uh, i'm kind of fortunate uh, you mentioned in my introduction that i've worked mm-hmm. for a number of other uh, financing institutions, DFIs, yes. IFC, Africa Finance Corporation, DBSA, Africa Development Bank, etc. So I've been on the other side 
yeah, I'm, I'm trying to convince my credit committees in my board that we should take specific investments in countries like Ghana. So I know what they need to see before they will invest yeah. in a transaction. And so we just make sure that our transactions that we do are structured in a way that would attract international financing. Uh, we also made uh, an initial decision that we would not be the only financier in a project. Again, okay. if you look at the track record of many African DFIs or government-owned investment institutions, they have failed because uh, they have become um, politicized or mm. subject to political direction, let me put it like that. And they have been the only financiers in projects which didn't really make commercial sense. We decided that we weren't going to go down that road. If we can't convince at least one other person or one other group who we respect to also finance alongside mm. us, then chances are maybe we're missing something. Maybe yeah. there's something wrong with this project. Um, so we try to avoid this. So we structured our transactions with the specific intention to attract uh, financing, international financing. So it meant that we had to do it to international standards. And the way we made sure that we did that is that we actually outsourced a lot of our due diligence to international standards consultancy groups on the financial, the technical, okay. uh, and the legal side. So we were sure that at the end of our due diligence, these were transactions that would meet the standard uh, of international financing institutions. Um, and so it turned out to be. If I could just quickly give you an example of some of the transactions yeah. that we actually have closed. Um, at the moment, we have a portfolio of 13 infrastructure investments. Um, if anybody's traveled to Ghana, in the last couple of years, you'll see that there's a new airport terminal, international airport By the terminal. way, it's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I, I yeah, love we, it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We are, we are very proud of that as Ghanaians. Yeah. Um, so we actually um, was the financier that managed to help the DFI tranche close along with Africa Development Bank and mm. Development Bank of Southern Africa, and that enabled the airport to, to be completed. Um, we've done two power projects. Um, we've done a major expansion of a port, Takwadi port, which is Ghana's second port. Uh, we brought in over $200 million of outside financing to complement gifts financing uh, in that transaction. Uh, we've done a couple of hotel tourism projects. We're doing the region's first safari ecotourism project. Um, we've done a couple of gold mining transactions, which mm -hmm. is really important that Ghanaians or Ghana has more stake in its gold mines, yeah. um, yeah. etc. So you get the picture of these are the sorts of transactions that we've been looking. And looking forward, we're trying to look at areas where the country needs support but has potentially good returns to be made. So we're looking at trying to find a private sector-led solution, for example, for university student accommodation, mm. which is a real silent crisis going on in the country at the moment. And we're trying to see if we can unlock private sector financing for university accommodation and also potentially for affordable housing. Generally, we're looking to see if we can make a major intervention there. So we look at the needs of the country and we try and structure things all the time that we believe that uh, investors will, will like to also invest in. Yeah, that's great. I mean, just, just going back, I think... Um with your experience and saying you know you know what the rules are to get cash out of the DFIs and multilaterals, um, I'm sure people will be very interested to know what are your top tips 
mm. for that. I mean, just give, just simply what what are the mm. what, what are the rules you follow, which you think other people should follow and maybe don't follow in terms of you said something about professional outsourcing, which mm. is great. Mm. But, but what mm. else do you do you think you have to show rather so to get right into there and into the heart of what they want to see and get the money out of them? Mm-hmm. I think the first thing is know the institution that you're looking to get financing from and know what mm-hmm. that institution's priorities are. Um, DFIs, yeah. their ebbs and flows, certain things are very important to them at certain times. Uh, and if you can pitch your project at the time that it's very interesting for that DFI at that moment, and then you're more likely to get success. So do your homework. Also, look at what the DFIs of the specific institution that you're looking at has invested in recently. Uh, and again, look at the structures behind those transactions. Look at the types of sponsors that they've backed. Look at the type of sectors that they've done. Yeah. Do your homework. Um, and, and then you'll know how to structure and position your project to get the best chance of, uh, of getting financing. Now, you know, it's not guarantee proof. <laughs> um, but it no, does no. help to, to be able to talk. Yeah, but to, I think that's really because mm. so often people look at it and say, "Well, I, you know, we need to do this. It must be obvious to everybody to do it." So obviously, as a development financial institution, they ought to give me the money because they're development. And exactly. I, so, uh, and it doesn't work like that, does it? And so I think I, it's really I lost the way. Ca- I, yeah, I lost yeah. count of the number of approaches that I received from sponsors or developers. Uh, asking me to get involved in a project. And I looked at them and I said, but we don't do that. <laughs> and yep. they hadn't even bothered to find out if we actually did that. Um, so that's the first yeah. thing, do your homework. Uh, and the second thing is to just make sure that the structure um, that you're proposing to them is something that they can be comfortable with. That's not always easy because they are a little bit complicated. But after a little bit of analysis and talking to people within the institution, uh, that work in that institution to give you some tips, yeah. um, you should be able to pick up some some ideas in this regard. Yeah, no, but I think that's that's just at one level it's it, it should be obvious to people, but I agree with you, it just isn't. So I think people, anybody listening to this, should take note of Solomon's wise, wise words. Um, <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned um, earlier the, the the supply chain, and that's. I mean, I you know, with both with COVID, but also more generally looking at the the supply chain changes around the world and the role Africa will play in it, and the role mm-hmm. of intra Africa trade. Mm-hmm. Um, the AU have been calling for a new paradigm in which Africa adds value in Africa for Africa, and it's certainly something which um, the president of Ghana has been promoting a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, how do you view the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement and and material benefits for for Africa, Ghana, and and how GIF and other funds on the continent can take advantage of this, is it going to is it going to impact a lot in, in what you do in the near future, or is that still a long time away? Hmm. Um, I, my my view is that it's an excellent opportunity. Hmm. Whether we grab that opportunity and make the most of it remains to be seen, but it does give us an opportunity and a platform um, and a reason why we can focus attention on this in a more commercially sustainable way. Um, I don't think you can, you can like uh, force people or shame people into trade practices that favor Africa um, mm. to a certain extent. I think it's got to make commercial sense. It's got to make fundamental sense. Um, and that's where I think I see the free trade agreement as a great opportunity. 
we're now looking at the situation where some of the barriers that prevented us from trading with each other across Africa are now going to be removed. Um, that doesn't automatically make trade happen, but again, it gives us the opportunity to make trade happen. Um, mm. So I think it's very important um, that this, this be taken seriously. We are thrilled that the Secretariat is based in Accra, Ghana. We think it gives Ghana a great opportunity uh, to benefit for, from this and also to contribute. Uh, and so we're looking at ways in which we can trade more productively and more evenly uh, across the continent. I think the, probably the, one of the biggest initiatives in this area that I'm hoping will succeed is the, tra is the um, payment platforms uh, across the continent, so which will allow... The PAPs and things like that, which are which Afrexim are promoting, I think. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and even commercial, private sector, digital mm. uh, solutions, where somebody in Ghana can pay in CDs to somebody yeah. in Kenya, and they receive Kenyan shillings um, without yeah. having to go through the US dollar or the euro. Um, I think that potentially is a very interesting uh, development. I had just travelled just um, last week on a brief trip to Nigeria. And I, and I landed at the airport and I saw that the Forex bureaus in, 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 in Nigeria were taking CDs to exchange into Naira. Um, and oh. without having to go through the dollars first, et cetera. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see that interchange, I think, and we have to promote it and stimulate it, uh, and, and, and push it. Uh, us, for example, at GIF, although our remit at the moment, is only to invest in Ghana. We have formed an alliance with, a, with about eight other sovereign wealth funds across the continent. And we're looking at ways in which we can actively uh, support and promote and even invest and develop transactions in other people in other countries along with the sovereign wealth funds. This I mean, that's, idea that's, of, that's, real, that's really interesting. So mm -hmm. um, can you say a little bit more about that? I mean, who... Well, like, it's still relatively early stages. Yeah. You know, we have yeah. Morocco, we have Senegal, we have Nigeria, yeah. we have Ghana, we have Egypt. We have a number of other countries. We're solving wealth funds. We've, we're creating a club uh, amongst ourselves. And for those institutions that can invest beyond their borders, what better um, for, is for them to contact a similar institution in another Absolutely. country who will present them with transactions which they know will meet their criteria? Um, yeah. So I think no, it's really, so, like that. so watch this space. I suspect Absolutely. Is, is the answer on that one. That that We're sounds great. Having I mean, a, we, having yeah, a launch sorry. in Morocco in a month or so's time. Um, great. So keep well, your we eyes will open for that. We will all keep our eyes open for that and note it well. Um, you, I mean, picking up from that, the digital side, the tech sector is something which obviously has been a jewel in the, is becoming a jewel in the crown of Africa in recent years. Mm. Um, particularly during the, the pandemic when we've all basically gone digital. Um, mm -hmm. uh, do you agree with the, the fact that this is the, the future and, and how a, and digital infrastructure obviously is critical? So uh, how, how much of a priority is that going to be for GIF going forward? And have you done, what have you done already in this space? Right. Uh, that's a very interesting question. And uh, I'm actually glad you raised it. We looked at what we're going to do in the ICT mm. sector. And we, we realized very quickly that the mobile companies don't need our money. They don't need our cash. They can raise money cheaper than we can. <laughs> um, but what is the blockage in a place like Ghana? The, block, mm -hmm. the blockage is the high cost and the unreliability of broadband. Um, 
of, of really connectivity challenges. Um, everybody in the West, you take it for granted, you pay your $19.99 nope. every month. Not where, I, not where I live in the UK, Solomon, you don't. Okay, well, <laughs> well there are some places where yeah. you pay your monthly and it's unlimited mm. and you can just enjoy and yeah. take it for granted. You don't yeah. even think about it when you're watching Netflix, etc. Mm. Um, it's not the same in, in places like Ghana, but as you rightly say, we have a burgeoning um, tech sector, particularly amongst young people, developing content, trying to use innovation, payment systems, um, delivery systems, all using digital networks. And the real barrier for them to really go to the next level uh, is this area. So we formed a joint venture company, uh, and we're actually laying terrestrial fiber across the whole of Ghana. Um, this will be a wholesale play where we will then be able to have this broadband network throughout the country, and we will sell to the other players, and hopefully that will bring the cost down and bring accessibility and allow the private sector to do what they do best, which is build on basic infrastructure. We yeah. provide the basic infrastructure. The private sector will come and do the rest, but they can't do the rest or they're handicapped from doing the rest if the basic infrastructure isn't there. Uh, and so that's what we're, we're looking yeah. to try. That, I mean, that's a really good summary of what, what a good development fund should do, isn't it? I guess. Absolutely. So create the basis for creating wealth elsewhere and helping others to develop. So that's really interesting. So again, we're going to, we'll watch that with fascination because it's what, I mean, you're going to get ahead of a, quite a lot of places if you do that. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's great. So finally, I mean, I think we've covered a, 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 some really interesting topics today. So what do you see as being the top priorities for investors um, now as the continent looks to ramp up recovery after, after COVID and what are you, I mean, what are the, uh, you're, uh, are you very optimistic about the next few years or are there particular concerns you see? So optimist, optimism and where are the top priorities? I am optimistic, uh, cautiously optimistic, let me put it mm. like that, uh, for Africa. Uh, Africa, I know it's a cliche, people say it, it's the future, it's the young, youngest, longest area and in 20 years' time I think like 95% of all people will be young Africans or something. You know, you hear all of these cliches, <laughs> yeah. right? But but truly, truly, it is an area that you really can't afford to ignore if you have a global strategy. Now, that doesn't mean that it's automatically going to happen quickly. Uh, it means that it's an opportunity again, and we have to take advantage of those opportunities um, to make things happen. And there are things that we as Africans also have to do both in terms of interaction with each other or each other's countries to make sure that it's sounder and we bring mm. and we create larger, more interesting markets, uh, but also in terms of making sure that the vulnerable in our own societies are brought along. Uh, if there's anything that's going to hinder development, it's going to be conflict. It's going to be violence. It's going to be uh, yeah. growing inequality. So we also have to keep an eye on making sure that our most vulnerable are brought along. But we also have to take care of our environment. Um, we have to build resilient infrastructure because, as most people know, if they've been paying attention, Africa contributes least to global climate change, but we yeah. suffer most of the consequences. Um, so we have to focus area, making sure that our environment, our infrastructure uh, is resilient and more than anything else, I, I put it down into one sentence, 
We have to improve the quality of lives of the African people. Because if we don't do that, nothing else will matter because there'll be political instability. Solo and Asamoah, thank you so much. And thank you for joining the A Perspective podcast today. 